Hi, and welcome to this audio edition of Polygamy, What Love Is This? with host Doris Hansen. On this program, we discuss polygamy and Mormon fundamentalism from a biblical Christian perspective. We talk about the history of polygamy, its modern-day fruit, share stories from people who have escaped polygamy, and talk about current events relating to polygamy. You can learn more about the video edition of this program at whatloveisthis.tv. And now, here's Doris. Welcome to Polygamy, What Love Is This? I'm your host, Doris Hansen, and this show asks the question, is it God's love that demands polygamy, or is polygamy from another source? Before we get started on today's show, we uh, we just want to let you know that we help people who leave, want to leave polygamy. We help you get out. You can contact us if you or someone that you know wants to get out. All right, we have a toll-free number. It's 877-425-9993. We also have a website that you can go on to and, and just find out something about us and have questions answered. And the website is shieldandrefuge.org. When you call us, everything that we discuss is held in confidence. Or if you or someone you know would like to be a guest on the show or have any questions about any of our shows, you can email us at email at whatloveisthis.tv. And now I would like to welcome our ongoing guest co-host. co-host. I don't even know if you're a guest co-host anymore. I'm just the you, co-host. you are the co-host. I've been graduated, promoted. More money, right? Just oh you betcha. <laughs> double, double. <laughs> Frequently, I use the internet uh, to research topics and current events and blogs for fresh ideas and up-to-date information about polygamy to use for the show. Recently, I came across a blog written by Lindsay Hanson Park that contains interesting and relevant information. And we want to thank her for permission to use some of her material here. The link to her blog is on the screen. You can Google 10 Things Polygamy Gave Mormonism to get to her blog. It's on patheos.com blogs. And we wanted to share this information as part of our ongoing series that asks the question, why leave a polygamy group and then turn around and join the LDS Church? Now, despite the fact that LDS refused to acknowledge their relationship with today's polygamy groups, when truth be told, polygamy actually shaped much of the fundamental beliefs and practices of today's LDS. If there had been no polygamy, today's LDS Church would look a whole lot different. Miss Park noted in her blog that the practice of more Mormon plural marriage has been so integral in Mormonism or to Mormonism that the influences are undeniable. And she lists 10 ways that polygamy has influenced and left its mark on present day LDS doctrine, practice, and policies. And we're going to present the, her 10 ways. And of course, we're going to have comments of our own. Right. So the first <clears throat> way that she mentions is the temple and the sealing practices. And we want to quote what some of what she wrote. While LDS men are not currently permitted to live in polygamy, the present-day sealing practices that occur in LDS temples allow men to be sealed to multiple women after death or divorce. This means that they are living men who may be sealed to two living women, one legally married, one legally divorced, or to a living woman and a woman who has passed away. Now, men in present-day Mormonism can ensure that they will be a polygamist in the next life simply by being sealed in the temples to more than one woman. But the females of Mormonism are not allowed to be sealed to more than one man. 
they are told that if they remarry or, you know, because of widow or divorce or something, they will have to choose the spouse that they want to spend eternity with, while the man doesn't have to choose only wife, he gets them all. Right. <laughs> this parallels early Mormon polygamous practices. Polygamy did not disappear with the manifesto. Harold B. Lee was sealed to two women, and he wrote a poem glorifying his belief that he would live eternally with both women, and that poem is published in the Deseret News 1974 Church Almanac. So leaving a polygamy group does not guarantee leaving polygamy if you turn around and join the LDS Church. The second way that polygamy has influenced today's LDS is the Relief Society. Again, we this quote. This is interesting. The early days of the Relief Society were used almost exclusively to defend the church against allegations of polygamy. This is in part why the Relief Society was disbanded. Ironically, when it was reorganized in 1860, it was used to defend the practice. <laughs> Interesting, isn't it? Yeah. So in the early days, the Relief Society hibernated polygamy, and in the later days, it defended polygamy. Now, we've talked about this on previous shows, how the Relief Society consisted of female members, most of whom were Joseph Smith's secret, plural, wives. And then his his the leader of the Relief Society was his wife, Emma, who didn't even know know that she presided over so many of her husband's other wives. Joseph Smith's polygamy was such a secret that only he knew which of the women were his wives. Plural marriage was later defended by Relief Society members, and we quote again. One Latter-day Saint woman expressed the feelings of many others when she said, There is no spot on this wide earth where kindness and affection are more bestowed upon woman or, and her rights so sacredly defended as in Utah. We are here to express our love for each other and to exhibit to the world our devotion to God, our Heavenly Father, and to show our willingness to comply with the requirements of the gospel. And the law of celestial marriage is one of its requirements that we are resolved to honor, teach, and practice, which may God grant us strength to do. Now here they are agreeing that yeah. celestial marriage and polygamy is the same thing, and they knew that it was essential. Yeah. They even had to ask God to give them the strength to do it. Polygamy isn't gone uh, for the LDS. It's just been postponed into a later life. The third imprint that polygamy has had on present-day LDS is correlation. In early Mormonism, salvation required polygamy. But Miss Parks asked the question, what did salvation mean to the Mormons once plural marriage had been removed? Good question. Yeah. We quote from her comments. Left a void, huh? Yeah. Scholar Matthew Bowman mentions in his book, The Mormon People, that during the transition from polygamous church to a non-polygamous church, Mormons exchanged polygamy for progressivism. The idea of eternal progression became the new focus, and eternal improvement and education became the new goal for achieving eternal salvation. This eliminated the idea of dynastic eternal unions and replaced them with individual self-discipline. Doing so created an even greater emphasis on works over grace and drove further the idea that Mormons need to work their way into the celestial kingdom. Isn't that interesting? Yes, it is. 
They all had preached that polygamy was essential for eternal life and exaltation. Now polygamy was gone, and it had been a big deal. Something had to take its place. According to Bowman, the author that she quotes, the progressive movement became the substitute of plural marriage. Now, different leaders used different methods to replace the plural marriage requirement, and the result seems to have been that the authority to perform plural marriages morphed into a mentality of follow the prophet in everything. <laughs> and that's the way it is today. Yeah. When polygamy was banned, there was a void in Mormon uh, doctrine and practice, and something had to fill the void, and this progressiveness, progressiveness became the force that filled the void. Number four is the LDS missionary, missionary yeah. program, and it's interesting how this ties in with it, it is. polygamy or lack of The Mormon of it. missionary, she says this, the Mormon missionary program has a very interesting and complicated history with polygamy. From Joseph Smith allegedly sending men on missions so he could court their wives, to the France mission polygamy scandal, there are fascinating stories tying the practices together. I'd rather focus on the modern-day missionary program and how it developed into a success after plural marriage was officially discontinued in 1890. Okay, so hard sell there. Yeah, <laughs> polygamy. When when the it was a hard sell. Yeah, yeah. It, it very well much was. In fact, they denied it they so did, much yeah. because it Didn't, was such a difficult. They avoided even talking about it. When the Mormons were forced to stop the practice of polygamy, suddenly, without polygamy, Mormonism didn't look so weird to potential potential proselytes. Exactly. They could more easily hide other Mormon doctrines that were offensive, making their missionary efforts more acceptable to potential converts. Some of those offensive doctrines were that men can become gods, and that Jesus is Satan's brother, and that God was once a man, and so on. So missionary work increased dramatically. They continued to send Mormon missionaries around the world, and the fear of Mormonism that polygamy had caused began to fade away. Mormon missionaries were more easily accepted into homes that had previously barred them because of the polygamy issue. Isn't that interesting <laughs> that that, yeah. that has such a bearing on today's missionary practices? Either talk about it or, or hide it from the from the mm -hmm. proselytes and they could easily they could, you can't hide polygamy as easily as you can hide some of these other strange yeah, doctrines yeah. so the fifth point that miss parks makes is the modern policies and programs that have been affected affected because of the ban on polygamy and we quote yeah, that's interesting. During the strictest years of anti-polygamy legislation from 1887 to 1890 and the pressure from the federal government, the church was said to acquire nearly $2 million in debt. While historian Michael Quinn believes the official church histories overplay the role of polygamy <clears throat> in the church's debt crisis, the threat of confiscation may have still contributed to it. Within a decade after the manifesto, Lorenzo Snow was implementing a tithing program that resembles the one Mormons practice today, giving 10% of their income to the church shortly after it, be shortly after it became a requirement under the LDS temples. So it's, it, just, it just morphed and changed and yeah. changed, and that one of the big changes was because of the ban on polygamy. Now, you can go to the link on the screen, uh, the sunstonemagazine.com, and there's a PDF file that gives some interesting information about LDS finances during that particular time. Now, Lorenzo Snow's implementation of a strict tithing program reflected their need to get out of debt. Uh, LDS assets 
Democrats had been threatened if they didn't dispose of plural marriage. Obviously, not all the financial problems can be blamed on plural marriage, but mandatory tithing was a result of the Renzo Snow, Renzo Snow's initial tithing program in response to their mounting debt. Although tithing is a biblical concept, the New Testament never calls it mandatory, nor is it fire insurance, as the modern LDS <laughs> right. like to call it. Right. There are other policies that also have been affected by Mormon polygamy. We quote again from her blog. Other policies that have been touched by polygamy include temple recommend questions and interviews, home teaching if one accepts that the Mormon Reformation was influenced by polygamy, and preventing family members from entering LDS wedding ceremonies if they do not have a recommend. So all of these have a bearing on their early practice or, or, or banning of polygamy. Now preventing the uh, family members from LDS weddings is a very cruel system yeah. and it grew out of the secrecy of polygamous marriages in early Mormonism. Super private wedding ceremonies should be banned now, just like polygamy <laughs> has been banned. The sixth point that um, polygamy has imprinted, been imprinted on today's LDS is the manifesto and the modern LDS family, mm -hmm. the ideas that they have with that. So we will quote from her blog. Yeah, and this is actually from, she's quoting, I think, a dialogue quote. Mm -hmm. For the majority of LDS church's existence, celestial marriage meant plural marriage. Historian David John Bergner, Berger noted, after the Woodruff Manifesto in 1890, the association of celestial marriage with polygamy was discouraged. Modern Mormons now perceive celestial marriage and plural marriage as two separate concepts. And that's true. Mm -hmm. We don't really do. relate those two. They, they do. I've had calls. I've had calls. I've had emails. I've had um, some severe tongue lashings <laughs> because I'm referring to celestial marriage as polygamy when yeah. they say it's two different things. But it wasn't two different things. They morphed it into it. When polygamy was banned, they had to do something. And so they just just discouraged them from from relating it to each other. Mm. Uh, but polyg because polygamy was no longer tolerated, they changed the definition of celestial marriage. But they've done that with a lot of things. Yes, they've changed the definition of what it means. Right. Uh, today's polygamists know that Joseph Smith's celestial marriage was and is polygamy. And section 132 of the Doctrine and Covenants still continues continues uh, in their doctrine yeah. and celestial marriage revelation. They all know that that's the revelation on polygamy. The family structure in today's LDS religion um, comes directly from Joseph Smith's plural marriage ceilings. But when they were forced to give up plural marriages and all of its rituals by necessity, they busied themselves to implement other ideas of family structure. The eternal family has no biblical foundation, but began only as an incentive for women to be sealed to Joseph Smith. He made it up on the spot, actually. It was his incentive to get women in. Um, to yeah, get women. If, if you marry me, yeah. then You'll just think we can life. be with each other in heaven, all of our kids, and, we'll yeah. all be, and, that, and that's how it started. His sales pitch. Yeah. yeah, it was a good sales <laughs> pitch. It worked. <laughs> Number seven of, on this list in the connection of polygamy with Mormon LDS is the modern PR campaign 
And this is... This drives Mormonism a lot, doesn't it? <laughs> it does. Mormons have long been concerned about public relations. In 1852, Apostle Orson Pratt was sent on a PR mission to, the, to Washington, D.C. to convince the world that plural marriage was a new and exciting law, one that if understood in context could help the world and relieve it of its wickedness. Of course, this didn't go over very well as the saints had hoped. Eventually, church leaders would have to distance themselves from Orson Pratt's campaign and try a new strategy. For several decades after, they deemed outside misunderstandings as a sign that they were a chosen and peculiar people. <laughs> Everything that happened, well, that proves the church <laughs> yeah, is true. They would right. take it and twist it to mean that. That's right. Uh, and that, I find that very interesting. Uh, but uh, they still use a PR um, Firm, at least one I'm to, sure they to, have many. <laughs> to give um, their their church uh, a, right. a beautiful look on the outside. But when polygamy was finally abandoned in 1904, the Mormons slowly began giving up some other very odd, conspicuously Mormon-only doctrines, such as their belief that Adam was God. Yeah. Uh, in fact, Brigham Young preached that Adam was God and oh, that yes. that a person's eternity depended upon them believing that. Right. I'll have to find that quote. And these and the Journal of Discourses kind of steadily started to become less important. And then the Curse of the Blacks yeah. gradually was lifted and, and finally gone, done away with. Now, giving up these unpopular beliefs gave the LDS Church more flexibility to integrate themselves into mainstream Christianity, where polygamy and other weird beliefs had consigned them into the category of being a cult. Yeah. Now, without the baggage of polygamy, public relations was much more effective in trying to bring the LDS into a more favorable light. And so far, as far as they're concerned, it's been quite successful. Yeah, and they have advertising campaigns to make the church look good. And movies there's, now. There's no other church I know that advertises themselves on TV and brags about themselves like the Mormon church That's, does. For sure. <laughs> okay. The eighth way that polygamy influences modern-day LDS is the Mormon idea of heaven. And we quote. Yeah, this is from Doctrine and Covenants, section 131. In the celestial glory, there are three heavens or degrees, and in order to obtain the highest, a man must enter into this order of the priesthood, meaning the new and everlasting covenant of marriage, and if he does not, he cannot obtain it. Now, there's hidden in verse 2 especially yes. is polygamy. Priesthood was polygamy. The new and everlasting covenant is and was polygamy. Okay, so that's what the priesthood was. And in these three verses, it explains the Mormon idea of heaven and who gets to go there. Now, it's obvious from verses 2 and 3 that polygamy was the new and everlasting covenant, yep. and it defines the priesthood as being polygamy. Verse 3 warns that without polygamy, you cannot ex uh, obtain exaltation. That's right. Did you know that when you were <laughs> yes. a Mormon bishop? Yeah, yeah, I did. Without polygamy, you could not be exalted. Well, I knew it, but I figured I was going to live it in heaven. <laughs> oh, so that's, that's, so that that's how I got around that. that. Yeah. Well, section 131 explains that celestial marriage, which is polygamy and the priesthood, are synonymous terms. The thing is, uh, the polygamists live it here so that they can be sure that yeah. they get it when, when yeah. they die. Get so the blessings. we want to quote again what Miss Parks said. Well, the conception of eternal life, especially the afterlife, is very much very much influenced by the practices of plural marriage, I'll only focus on a few connections for the sake of brevity. There are many. 
The revelation outlining the structure of the celestial kingdom was given in 1843. Joseph Smith was with his newly sealed plural wife, Almera Johnson, when he recorded this revelation. He had married her as a plural wife a month earlier. The requirement of marriage and eternal glory is developing here, making these sealings essential for salvation. So you can see how they morphed, you know, yeah. as, as, as each woman doubted whether yeah. she should become enter into plural marriage, he would give her another promise and, and a different promise, and he just built upon his promises. Yeah. Even extending to the family members sometimes, if you'll marry me, I'll... We'll bless your that's family. what happened with Helen Mark Kimball. Right. If if you'll marry 14 years old, if you'll marry me, all of your family will be saved in the celestial kingdom. Into the celestial kingdom, yeah. and so the the and and even she said at that time, that was such a heavy burden for her. That was such a thing that she couldn't say no. Yeah, she had to succeed for her family. Mm -hmm. yeah. Boy. Now, Mormon fundamentalists, of course, still believe um, original Mormon doctrine, which makes them the true Mormons. Uh, and they believe that the celestial kingdom is for polygamists only, which is what early Mormonism taught. It was as late as 1838 that Joseph Smith was still most likely believed that marriage was for time only. He hadn't invented the eternal marriage only idea. Uh, but when he began to seal himself to multiple women, he invented the idea of eternal marriage and eternal families as that incentive to more easily gain the consent of females that he wanted as plural wives. So polygamy shaped how Joseph Smith and other Mormon leaders established their unbelief or their unbi or excuse me, their unbiblical Mormon beliefs about life after death. We have two quotes as an example. Yep, one from Brigham Young and one from a church publication, The Millennial Star. The only men who become gods, even sons of God, are those who enter into polygamy. And second, we cannot be married for eternity without subscribing to the law which admits a plurality of wives. So there's the imprint right there. Yeah. You get to heaven through polygamy. Your exaltation comes through polygamy, and and, and that's the that is early Mormon polygamists. They morph that over to celestial marriage. So yeah. now all you have to do is get sealed in the temple. Well, and even in current Mormonism, this is what we assumed that we were going to live polygamy in, mm -hmm. in heaven. Right. That was just part of the program. Those who leave polygamy groups and join the LDS Church are not leaving polygamy behind. They're embracing it for eternity. So I would certainly think that over if if I were you. <laughs> the number nine is church leadership. Yeah. In many ways, the LDS Church leadership <coughs> is still a very dynastic system where leaders are connected through familial connections. For nearly half the church's early history, plural marriage openly allowed and encouraged these dynastic ceilings. Today, the connections within the leadership is still largely about who you know. And that's very... And what's your last name? And what's your last name? <laughs> very simply, the LDS church leadership and the Mormon fundamentalist group leadership reflects generational kinship. The top administration of the Mormon church and of most polygamy groups resembles an extended family. In other words, there's a whole lot of nepotism going on, which is a direct reflection on keeping polygamy all in the family, which is what they yeah. did in the early days. Yeah. And number 10, and by the way, this is not comprehensive. There's a lot we could add to yeah, this. Uh, sure. But number 10 is temple attendance, uh, sacredness, holy garments, and oaths. The temple garment started out as a way to set polygamous men apart from monogamous men. 
This is from Mormon Enigma by Linda King Newell and Valene Tippetts, Avery. While the endowment ceremony first developed around those who were secretly initiated into plural sealings, it was quickly extended to more than just polygamists. Still, it is suggested that those receiving their endowments would have known about the secret practice even if they didn't currently live it. They would have been initiated into the holy order, which meant keeping the practice secret, or rather sacred, from the outside world. Now, Mormon Enigma, you can get the book, and it talks about the designing of the special garments for the early Mormons. They were made specifically for the endowment ceremony and sealing polygamous marriages. Mm. The first endowment ceremony took place in the red uh, upstairs of the red brick store where Joseph Smith established the Quorum of the Anointed, which was a group of men that had been secretly initiated into polygamy. And again, there's a link on the screen where you can go to the dialogue. Um, it's the journal.com and upload a PDF file that talks about the priesthood, the plural marriage, and masonry of the early Mormon church and how they are so closely connected. There is absolutely no biblical basis for either Mormon priesthood or Mormon polygamy. Miss Parks writes that there's other aspects of the temple ceremony which coincide with the doctrine of plural marriage, but because also required uh, not to reveal anything outside the temple, those who take the oaths would need to know the truth about early Mormon polygamy to recognize the sim similarities. But sadly, most Mormons, uh, LDS people, do not seek to discover the truth of the origins of their early history in the Mormon polygamy, so they blindly follow their leaders into every doctrinal error. <laughs> Miss Parks ends her article like this. Love it or hate it, Mormonism is very much affected by polygamy, and we continue to be influenced by the practice today. And that's some very interesting yeah, points. It's it affected uh, current LDS doctrine. Um, and what we've mentioned here has the polygamy has a direct imprint on oh, those those items. And, and most of us Mormons were very proud if we had polygamist ancestors. Mm -hmm. We don't even though they don't live it, but we were very proud to say, "Hey, I, I, I come from a third wife or a second wife." That was kind of a pride thing to. Mm -hmm. to say mm -hmm. that you were from a polygamy group. And they still do. You know, yeah. my grandfather was a polygamist. He had so many wives. And, exactly. and um, they're at, on the end of that blog, I was going to cover it, but we don't have the time. Um, there's a letter from one of the readers yeah. of the blog who talks about uh, what she had written and how it kind of was strange to him that, that God would let his church yeah. just stray this far. And I just have to say that that person who responded in that letter, it wasn't God's church no. because the Mormon church was started on spiritism and spiritualism and counterfeiting and racism and false and unbiblical beliefs. So it wasn't God who let the church go no. that way. It went that way. Yeah. So why leave a polygamy group and join the Mormon church when it's the same thing? <laughs> So anyway, thank you, Earl. That was uh, yeah. Um, yeah. There was something that came out just recently, and it said Mormon or uh, polygamy delayed. Polygamy delayed is still polygamy. It, uh, that's right. Yeah. That's very true. Yeah. Uh, and and you know today's LDS Church, Joseph Smith is is just a mere man where he once was a prophet. Now he's just a mere man who made mistakes, and yeah. polygamy is banned. And so how's their eternal security in changing doctrine like that? We urge those who leave polygamy groups to not seek Joseph Smith to fill your spiritual void, but look to Jesus instead. Jesus said, "I am the way." He said, "No man comes to the Father." Except 
except through him. And that's what we pray, that, that when you leave, you will discard all that's from Joseph Smith and embrace all that is from Jesus Christ. And Jesus told nothing but the truth. And Jesus never condoned polygamy. In him, you can trust. Thank you for watching. This has been the audio podcast edition of Polygamy, What Love Is This? This program is a production of A Shield and Refuge Ministry and Main Street Church of Brigham City. You can view current and past video episodes as well as download audio episodes of this program at whatloveisthis.tv. If you or someone you know is in need of assistance in leaving a polygamous situation, please contact us. We are here to help. All of our contact information can be found at shieldandrefuge.org or call us at 877-425-9993. If you have any questions or comments about this or any of our other programs, we'd love to hear from you. Write us at email at whatloveisthis.tv. Thanks for listening, and we hope you'll join us again.